If you live in a big city in the USA, as I do, you will often see people walking around with a yoga mat rolled up under their arm, and sometimes a mala, a strand of prayer beads wrapped around their wrist. The mala is even changed to match the outfit. But while for some people a mala is a kind of trendy accessory, actually a mala represents a deep and meaningful link to the inner path. It is a tool to help us connect with the divine. In today's episode, we will talk about using a mala and how it can greatly help your spiritual practice. Namaste and welcome to the Spiritual Wealth Podcast, the show where we teach people how to use spiritual self-development tools to excel in life. I'm your host, Alexandra Savitri Amba, Director of the American Reiki Academy and the Vedic Healing Center. I'm a Reiki master, Vedic healing master, and spiritual life coach who has practiced and taught spiritual self-development and healing for more than 30 years, led pilgrimages to India, and studied with blessed Indian gurus. In this show, we cover topics related to metaphysics, Reiki, Vedic healing, yoga, manifestation, spiritual growth, and feng shui based upon my studies and work in these disciplines. The aim of this show is to help you awaken, develop, and tap into your spiritual power in order to manifest love, happiness, success, well-being, peace, and productivity, so you may blossom into the highest expression of you. Welcome to today's episode, which is entitled, Use a Mala, Accelerate Your Spiritual Growth. Now, it might sound a little bit funny that a small strand of beads could actually accelerate your spiritual growth. But that is the title of this podcast for a reason. And today, I want to talk to you about this wonderful, amazing tool called a mala and how you can use it to really move yourself forward on your path. I know many of you listening already know what a mala is, so for some of you this might be a little rudimentary, but I'm going to review a little bit about the history of the mala and then talk about some key tips for working with it. So hopefully there'll be something new for those of you who already use a mala 
And if you don't know what a mala is, or you've never used one, then maybe this will all be new to you. So malas date back thousands of years, and actually they're typically associated with Hinduism and Buddhism. However, in Christianity and Islam, also uh, prayer beads are used, although they may not be called a mala. But thousands of years ago, actually all the way back to, from what I understand, 8th century BC in India, there were uh, depictions of people praying with beads to Lord Shiva. And this, these beads that they were using, we call a mala or a japa mala. So in some of the other podcasts, I've talked about the word japa, which refers to the recitation, so reciting prayers, specifically mantras, Sanskrit chants. And mala means garland. So a japa mala is a garland used for reciting. And what it does is it helps you, the spiritual practitioner, go within. And it also helps you in a very logical way because you can keep count of the prayers that you're doing. So traditionally, malas consist of 108 beads. Sometimes there are Um, derivatives of this. So you might have a shorter mala that's 54 beads or 36 beads. And um, this, this number is very interesting. There are fascinating facts about the, the multiples of nine and how they represent wholeness. The ancient Vedic seers were also mathematicians, and they discovered all sorts of interesting math calculations that relate to the number 108. For instance, the sun's diameter is 108 times the earth's diameter. Um, Lord Shiva, for instance, when he dances, he's called Nataraj, and there are 108 poses that he does. Uh, The heart chakra contains 108 energy channels. There are 12 zodiac signs, and when they're multiplied by the nine planets, that comes to 108. So this 108 has mystical properties, and this is also why sometimes we chant the 108 names of a deity. It's called the Ashtotram. So each deity has an ashtotram. So we might chant the ashtotram to Lord Ganesha or Lord Shiva or Lord Hanuman or uh, Lakshmi or Krishna, whomever we're trying to identify with in greater detail. So instead of just chanting the uh, mantras for that particular deity, we would also chant their ashtotram. So working with a mala is a, an incredible gift to us. And typically, again, they are 108 beads with one 
additional bead or it could be could look like a little charm on the end and this bead is called the the guru bead uh, sometimes it's called the meru or the bindu but usually it's the guru bead and this is uh, when you have your eyes closed and you're chanting you can feel when you get to that particular bead so we don't chant on that bead but you feel that you've reached the end of one circle on that mala because we will be chanting with our eyes closed for the most part although sometimes you have your eyes open however uh, the attention is not on the beads it's it's the attention is on the sound vibration so the beads are just helping you now, to use a mala, you're going to dangle the mala or kind of drape it over your hand with, oh, it's hard to explain in a podcast, but uh, hopefully you can picture this. The, the mala uh, hangs between the middle and the index fingers of the right hand. Starting in one direction you will chant using the thumb to advance the beads over the middle finger so we don't use the index finger it is uh, considered to represent the ego it's the finger that we use to point at people and to reprimand people so this this uh, that's why the mala is is draped over uh, it goes beyond that that index finger and goes over the middle finger and hangs over the middle finger, the um, ring finger, and the small finger. And your index finger is not used in this in this chanting. So once you move through the entire uh, round or circuit of the mala, then you feel that guru bead. And you turn the mala around and you begin chanting again in the other uh, direction, if you like, if you're doing more than one round on the mala beads. So there are many different types of malas. And here are some tips to uh, work with the mala uh, that maybe you haven't thought of before, or maybe you already know and hopefully these will be reminders to you if you already know them. The first thing is to select a mala carefully. So there are different stones. Malas are made out of gemstones. They could be made out of seeds. For instance, the followers of Lord Shiva work with Rudraksha, and you've probably seen them. They're brown uh, seeds from a plant and they have kind of striations in them and the followers of Lord Krishna would work with a Tulsi mala from the Tulsi plant and these look like uh, light colored wooden beads many practitioners choose to work with a mala from gemstones, different kinds of gemstones. So the choice of your mala is up to you, but it will have some significance. Uh, sometimes you are given a mala from a guru, and that is very special. So uh, select your mala with care. 
The second tip for today is to treat your mala with the utmost care. So usually we keep it in a special place. We don't really wear it, although you you will see uh, people wearing them around their wrist again or around the neck. But just like a rosary isn't really worn, it's an object for uh, counting the prayers and we so we we keep that in a special place if it's on your your wrist you're going to bang it around or you might get it in water or uh, somebody might touch it during the day uh, traditionally you could keep it in a small pouch a bead bag. There are bead bags where, which are very wonderful because it's completely protected and you can place your hand in the bag and chant with it protected from the elements, from you know you dropping it or from uh, somebody coming up to you and saying, oh, what's that? And touching it if you're outside chanting with it. But it's a, a very nice thing to use a bead bag. Now, um, the third tip is to chant in rounds and kind of challenge yourself. So one round is is the you traversing the strand of beads. That's considered one round. So you're going to chant in rounds and challenge yourself. Build up the numbers of rounds you do. So a short mantra, let's say you're chanting... Um, to Ganesha, maybe you're doing a short Ganesh mantra that might be just a couple words, uh, or you're doing Om Namah Shivaya. Those mantras are so short, one round on the prayer beads would take you, oh, probably mm, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. It depends how fast you're chanting. Longer mantras, if you have like a four-line mantra. So when we chant, for instance, Gayatri Mantra or Mahamritinjaya Mantra, these are uh, longer mantras, and those would take uh, a couple minutes, uh, more like maybe uh, seven to nine minutes once you get custom to the mantra. The Hare Krishna mantra is also four lines, but it's shorter lines. And that also takes about seven to eight to nine minutes in that range once you feel comfortable with that mantra. So the point is to really to chant as much as possible because what you're doing is you're washing your energy field with sacred sounds. So the reason I said to challenge yourself is because you feel so great when you get through one round and your being is going to want to get up and get about your day because we're so active. We have so many things to do, but the more you get into your spiritual practice, the more you want to stay and do more rounds on your mala. You want to do, it's just like your entire practice, you want to do more meditation. You want to get up earlier so that you can fit in more asanas, more pranayama, 
more visualization. So in Vedic healing, we work with a whole bunch of elements. And at first, where you find that in patients, like I said, you want to get up because the world is pulling you to your activities, to your computer, to your phone, to your obligations for the day. That's, that's just at first. And then after a while, it becomes so enjoyable that the challenging gets really great. You say to yourself, I just chanted so many rounds of whatever mantras you're doing. And my life is, is working out really nicely. What would happen if I devoted even more time to this practice? How much more benefit would I get? How much more benefit would my family members get? Because one of the goals of chanting is to dissolve the unhealed aspects of our beings so that we become kinder, nicer, more loving, more tolerant, more patient individuals. And so the the people around us benefit from us working on ourselves. And one of the ways we work on ourselves is through chanting and all the other elements of the practice. So the fourth tip for working with your mala is to allow no one else to use it. So in other words, you're going to keep your mala to yourself. It is so sacred, so special. It is the representation of a great deal of your prayer work, your inner work. And so it's not something to be worn on the wrist because we don't really want other people touching it. And it's not that other people mean anything bad towards us, but often we're curious about one another. So we have the tendency to uh, touch or extend our hand and say, oh, that's a beautiful piece of jewelry, or what is that? And and it's, it's really kind of not very honoring to go into someone else's energy field by touching a piece of jewelry that they have on. But we, we do it, and we do it unconsciously. So if you have a a uh, mala worn on your wrist, people might touch it. And you want that mala to be so uniquely connected to you and your energy that it just stays in that sacred small pouch that you carry with you, or you can leave it in your meditation space, on your altar, which is fine also. You don't have to carry it with you. Um, Or you can carry it with you. And when you carry it with you, it's very nice because you can stop in the middle of your day and do some chanting with that mala. And you you don't need your mala to chant. In fact, in India, uh, the children are taught to chant by counting on the joints of their fingers with their thumb, which is very interesting. And sometimes I do that if I don't have a mala with me. But the mala is a great tool. So just kind of guard that. Make sure that no one else uh, touches it. If they touch it, it's not a disaster. But um, you really want to keep that for you. And 
the last tip, the last tip is something interesting, and it is that if your mala breaks, it is usually an indication of the end of a cycle in your life. Now, it doesn't mean you can't restring the mala, but notice what's going on in your life and what happens when that mala breaks. So it's an indication of perhaps a turning point, a job well done on your part, a transition to another space, another level, uh, uh, some greater awareness. So you can notice when your mala breaks and perhaps you string it together again, which in and of itself is a meditative process. It takes patience to string each and every one of those beads together and also to know how to fix the guru bead at the end, which is a little bit uh, a little bit challenging sometimes. Or maybe you retire that mala and you start with a new one. It's up to you. But basically, these mala beads are so precious and they really will when you work with them, accelerate your spiritual growth. They are like having a spiritual pedometer. So it's a way to keep track of and to monitor and to, again, challenge yourself to go further, to go go more, to go uh, more deeply into your practice and to extend what you are doing and just see where it brings you. I can say from personal experience, the more chanting I have done, the more meditation I have done, the more asanas I have done, the more pranayama and so forth, and the reading of the spiritual texts and all the elements of the practice, the more I have done them, the more my spiritual growth has expanded and the deeper the levels of exploration become, of awareness become. So there is no substitute for doing this practice. Each of us must do our practice and do it well and do it consistently and do it patiently and do it over and over and over again. And the benefits will be there. The benefits will be seen and felt and experienced in your energy field. So it is such a glorious process. I hope this has been helpful and I hope it has inspired you either to work with a mala that you have and if uh, you are starting with a new one, you can wash it first and do a blessing, hold it in your hands, do a blessing if you know Reiki, bless it as you begin the practice with it. It's a friend of yours. It is a spiritual tool for transformation that will help you. So honor it and it will honor you back and give you great rewards. Om.
Hare Krishna, Om Namah Shivaya.